Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do things go bump in the night in your home? Could poltergeist activity be due to our unconscious minds, or is this an unruly spirit? Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and this week we're looking at poltergeists. In a previous episode, we spoke about poltergeists, but are back again this week to deep dive into some more cases with some very special guests. We're going to take a different stance this week that starts with British and American parapsychologist, psychoanalyst, author and journalist Nandor Fodor. Now, he was one of the leading authorities on poltergeists, haunting and paranormal phenomena, usually associated with mediumship. He was at one time Sigmund Freud's associate, writing on subjects like prenatal development and dream interpretation, but is credited mainly for the Encyclopedia of Psychic Science. Fodor pioneered the theory that poltergeists are external manifestations of conflicts, get this, with the subconscious mind rather than autonomous entities with minds of their own. So basically, we're conjuring up these things, you see. He proposed that poltergeist disturbances are caused by human agents suffering from some form of emotional stress or tension and compared reports of poltergeist activity to hysterical conversation symptoms resulting from emotional tension of the subject. In 1938, Fodor investigated the Thornton Heath poltergeist case that involved an Alma Fielding. I love this case because two journalists were witness to some bizarre activity. In 1938, they were invited to Alma Fielding's house. No relation. At least I I don't think so. Uh, She said to the two journalists, come to my house. There are things going on here I cannot explain. The Sunday pick reporters knocked to Alma's front door at the appointed day and time. The door was opened by Alma and as they began to introduce themselves, they witnessed an egg thrown down the hallway only to land directly in front of their feet. As the confused journalists walked into the kitchen, they experienced a metal tin opener whiz past their heads and a statue of a china dog smash to the floor. I smile when I think of what these two witnesses must have thought. Perhaps they weren't scared. Maybe they just thought Alma was an attention seeker and perhaps was somehow faking the strange phenomena. 
in the front room, uh, everybody sitting down for tea, things got really spooky. As when Alma and her two guests were, were sipping away at their tea, um, they watched in amazement as Alma's teacup and saucer was seemingly taken out of our hands by some kind of invisible force. They all watched on in absolute terror as the saucer began to spin around in midair and then shattered with a pop as if it had been taken out of the air with an air gun. Alma took another saucer, but again it smashed uh, in her hands, cutting her thumb. Then they all heard another commotion, and this time it was from the kitchen. It was clear by the noise that something had smashed, and upon inspection they discovered that a wine glass had fallen from a locked drinks cupboard. Another egg seemingly flew into the living room and smashed against the sideboard. And finally, the reporters watched open-mouthed as a large piece of coal rose from the fire grate, hovered above their heads, and then it seemingly threw itself with force against the wall. Nandor Fodor had taken a keen interest in Alma and her case. In fact, he spent much time with her recording phenomena, trying to discover out what or who uh, was causing such distress in her home. It seems that Fodor, in his uh, early years of investigating haunting phenomena, did believe in an afterlife, but as time wore on, so did his beliefs. He, along with some of his colleagues, believed that poltergeist cases were always centred around one person who was perhaps struggling emotionally, uh, consciously or subconsciously. And many people believe that this person acts as a kind of conduit, causing objects to move, electrical equipment to turn on by itself, water to form in puddles, even writing to appear on walls, written in a strange and frightening uh, hand. It's true that we cannot see the energy that we transmit. And perhaps in certain scenarios, maybe humans can cause objects to move on their own. Of course, we all know that once the poltergeist phenomena starts, it is scary and can stir up even more unsettling human emotion. And so the cycle continues. I mean, you've only got to look at movies, haven't you, really? You look at Blythe Spirit. There's a spoiler alert here, spoiler alert, in case you haven't seen Blythe Spirit, which I suggest you do. It's one of my most favourite movies ever. But it's it's the maid, the maid that's subconsciously causing phenomena to occur. Well, she caused a ghost to come in and she started the whole thing. Other sort of movies involving poltergeists, it all comes down to they sort of talk about teenagers going through angst or children going through sort of some sort of unstable or emotional time and they act as like I said this conduit that causes uh, this high energy phenomena. I myself believe that anything is possible but in my case the poltergeists I've experienced have been detached from families. Uh, most cases I've investigated have been in abandoned homes, castles, prisons, hospitals, etc., etc. Although the poltergeist in my house was centered around our family, it certainly wasn't violent. Uh, it was playful and did sometimes make us laugh a lot. I say it, but in fact, it was two spirits. As you know, I've spoken about them before. They're two children that used to live in this house, Elizabeth and Benjamin. And they loved and still do love playing tricks on all of us. 
funnily enough, they too, well, I thought it was them, loved to throw eggs. At the time, I did think, come on, Elizabeth, stop throwing eggs around. Yes, we did have a spate of of eggs being thrown. And I remember specifically, I bought 12 eggs uh, as I wanted to do a cooked breakfast uh, one Sunday for the family. At the time, we had a German shepherd dog named San, who uh, sadly is no longer with us. I remember I, I came into the kitchen only to discover that Stan was licking up the remains of, of a smashed egg. But the larder doors were closed and no one else was about. I opened the larder doors, went into the egg box, which was closed, and there was one egg missing. How on earth had that happened? I went round the whole family. Did you do this? No, no. What do you mean? What do you mean? Now, this phenomenon with the eggs became a frequent event. In fact, we would all look forward to putting a box of eggs on the countertop in the centre, not on the edge, turning away, and then we'd all wait to hear a crack on the stone floor. And of course, Stan looked forward to this too, as did Arthur, Elsie and Olive. Yes, we had a lot of dogs at the time. Uh, When we asked uh, the spirit of Elizabeth and Benjamin if they were the ones responsible, they said that it wasn't them. I could always see them putting their hands up going, no, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Um, We did find out who the culprit was. It wasn't a noisy ghost. It was my dad. So remember, if you experience some odd and peculiar paranormal activity like furniture being stacked on top of each other, objects and trinkets laid out in a specific order, objects flying through the air, possessions being moved or gone missing, it might not be a malevolent ghost. It may well be a spirit trying to let you know that they're present. What we have to do is find out what they want. And if they want something, how can we help them? The most frightening case involving a noisy ghost is that of, again, a normal home on a housing estate in Leeds. This house has been investigated twice by me and my team. And I have to say, it left me terrorised for a few weeks, to say the least. I think one of the reasons why the Leeds case sticks out in my mind is because it was the first time we'd investigated a small, unassuming, private home. We were so used to castles and prisons and hospitals. And yet here was this little terrace house in the middle of a Leeds housing estate. The fact that no one had been able to live in the house since the 1970s also played on my mind. Normally, when we turn up to investigate a location, we pick a room that we dub as the base room. Now, this allows us to store all our equipment, set up some monitors, etc. But this time we thought, well, we'll use the kitchen. It's also a place to retreat to when you need to, well, gather your, your emotions or sort of get a grip with what's just happened to you from, say, ghostly activity. After splitting up into groups, I'd always say, meet back in the base room in an hour. But because this was also the smallest location I think we've ever investigated. The only place we could retreat to was outside. This house was awful. Uh, As soon as we all walked in, you could feel that there was something out of whack. It wasn't right. Sure enough, within seconds, I remember specifically myself and Carl, I think we were the first ones in. I remember we put the key in the door, opened the door, and this wave of... I don't know what it was. Fear rippled through me. And then we heard this bump, 
boom, boom. Footsteps, really heavy footsteps above us. Now, yes, it was a terrace, but we knew nobody else was in the house. We just let ourselves in. But there was somebody upstairs, absolutely positive. It was it was so loud, so clear. Sure enough, within seconds, we, we, we all, well, me and Carl ran up the stairs, closely followed by other members of the team when they joined in uh, and and we searched the rooms there were four rooms three bedrooms and a tiny bathroom but no one was there the house was freezing cold as well even though it was the middle of summer the atmosphere actually I remember this the more time I spent inside the more time I actually felt sick I just felt nauseous all day and I kept having to stand outside in the garden and I remember it was a very very sunny sunny day but when I went inside I don't know, I just kept thinking there's something evil. Something in this house is wrong. There's something evil in here. I could feel it. The next thing we do to make the show most haunted is um, Greg and Stuart will take a camera each and go off and take lots of GVs. That means general views of the location. This helps in the edit so everyone at home watching can get a good idea about the location, what it looks like, how many rooms and so on. So Stuart was up in one of the front bedrooms, if I recall, and on the windowsill was a large crucifix. Now, it was obviously left there as some sort of talisman to perhaps ward off the evil that resided inside the house. And believe you me, you you could feel it. As Stuart took a wide shot, I think he was panning round the room and he actually caught it. The crucifix bolted off the sill and landed onto the bed. And I remember seeing Stuart's face. He galloped down those stairs as quick as anything. (laughs) He wasn't happy at all. I know I shouldn't laugh, but you can't help laugh when you see a friend or a colleague sort of honestly just full of fear and running so quickly. So once all the GVs were done, we set about um, trying to uh, film my pieces to camera. Now, these are shots of me talking to the camera, giving information about the the property, uh, its history and all its ghostly secrets. I remember being on the stairs and every time I tried to speak, something would be thrown from above me. So um, I don't know, from the landing down past my head, it whizzed past my head, didn't know what it was exactly and landed on the floor. Time and time and time again, this would happen. Every time I tried to open my mouth, it was as if the entity was saying, shut up. The stairs uh, were a main feature in the house. As a young woman who lived there with her family during the 1970s, uh, she was reported of being dragged up the stairs um, by unseen hands. So as you can imagine, I was very nervous at standing on these stairs. So I couldn't wait for these pieces to camera to finish. So if you watch uh, this particular episode and you see those bits of me on the stairs, think she's desperate to get off those stairs we then set up some trigger objects and the main experiment was in one of the bedrooms where we placed some ping pong balls on the floor now we placed a locked off camera on them and waited and we didn't have long to wait let me tell you when we came into the room uh, 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 I don't know how long it was maybe half an hour later maybe less we found that all the balls had moved So instantly we grabbed the camera in the kitchen and we all watched in amazement as the uh, the footage. We just watched and witnessed these balls all moving on their own at different times and in different directions. It, It really was amazing to watch and really creepy. It was almost as if you could imagine somebody leaning over each individual ball and blowing 
blowing on each one to make it move and then blowing it back. It was bizarre. No windows were open. Remember, it was a a, a sunny, uh, dry day. It was in the middle of summer. There were no breezes. As I say, no windows open. So there was no logical explanation why that should happen. It wasn't, the house wasn't positioned on a main road, so there was no traffic causing vibration. We went through all the logical theories and we couldn't come up with one. Next came the EVP, which as we now know means electronic voice phenomena. And I distinctly remember, and I'll never forget the noise, as all hearing a horrendous male voice telling us to explicit words coming out now, fuck off and it was awful and it was said in this really it was a horrible horrible voice and I'll, I'll never forget that as long as I live it sound like something out of a horror movie it was at this point that we all I remember looked at each other and asked we had to ask each other are you happy to continue do you want to carry on and there was a big long pause I remember us all stood around in a circle and thinking do we want to get do we want to carry on here And we all said, yes, absolutely, we've got to carry on. It was weird. Once we agreed that we wanted to carry on, no one... No one wants to be on their own. Even the most hardened of, uh, you know, Carl and Stuart, no, go in twos. That's that's what we've got to do. And this was a good call because as the darkness came, the activity increased to boiling point. A, A kitchen knife suddenly appeared from a shut drawer and was positioned found it was found upright in between the the, you know the the cushions that you sit on on a sofa in between the two cushions but the blade the handle was down in between the cushions and the blade was pointing up into the air all I kept thinking was if one of us bear in mind it's completely dark we're in night vision you know you sometimes you can't see your hand in front of your face if one of us had tripped and fallen onto the sofa we could have been seriously hurt or worse And then came the burns. But for this part of the story, I'm going to bring in my husband and producer of Most Haunted, Carl Beattie, to share this frightening experience. The first thing that sort of gets to you when you do any of these places is is the history behind it. And obviously we knew there'd been a film about it. And I'd watched the film and I was quite disappointed because I thought it was a great opportunity for them to do an accurate account of what happened in this house. Mm. It kind of got to the end and they just ruined uh, what could have been a great movie but so you kind of put that to one side and then you go there and I just remember you and I walking to this house we picked the keys up we'd opened the door and we walked in we got into the kitchen and we both heard some people walking around upstairs Mm. and I just thought oh somebody else is in the house Uh, it was that heavy it Mm. wasn't ghostly and echoey it wasn't quiet it was very loud wasn't it Mm. and so I said well you stay in the kitchen I'll go and find out who's upstairs uh, I walked upstairs and the three bedrooms that are there were completely empty. And upstairs there are just three bedrooms and a bathroom. That's it. And a landing. Empty. There was no sounds when I got up there. And because of that, you start thinking, I know there is something here that doesn't care if we're here or not. It's just doing what it does on a daily basis. And I came downstairs and I remember the look on your face when I said there's nothing up there. You actually looked at me and said, there has to be somebody up there. <laughs> and there wasn't. The atmosphere from that point was getting darker and darker and darker. And it's it's terribly hard to describe an atmosphere. When you're when you're on television and you're filming this, you know, people will just see what you're filming. It it will be as light as it is light. Mm. You can't um change that. So 
it's the atmosphere that you try to explain to people. It's heavy, it's dark, it's it's depressing. But it was there, it was, I, I hate to use the word evil, but that's exactly how it felt. And then when the rest of the team came on board, the worse it got. And I think that it's one of these houses that thrives on the energies of people. I think if you're there for the right reasons, you'll get some good stuff. Do you remember the lady next door? Mm. She scared me just with interviewing her. On was the it a hairdo? Or? <laughs> no, on the day, because she was telling us stories. I mean, she, she was a comical lady in the nicest ways. The way she put things was yes, very yeah, funny. Yeah. Very matter of fact. Yeah. But do you remember some of the things that she told us? Um, yeah, because the thing was was our point was because this is a semi, and you always wonder about the house that's attached. You know, sometimes mm. they're mid terrace, so you think, well, what happens? It they can't just be this one house unless it's just a haunting of the house, someone who's lived in the house before. But this is supposed to have been this the idea of wells being underneath, bones being discovered, it it a being a monastery yeah. nearby. And when you get all of these things thrown up, that that sometimes that is embellished and that sometimes the truth is lost within its telling. I remember her saying that the same things that happened in the house next door before the people left was happening in her house. It's just that she had kind of a stronger resolve to stay and fight it and say, you're not going to throw me out of my own house. Do you remember when she talked about where the, the sort of loft hatch was in one of the, the kids' bedrooms? And I don't know if you remember, but she said every night we'd hear something uh, scratching yes. and, and walking yeah. in the loft and the kids would be screaming. And she said she remembers looking up and yeah. there was the horrible, like horrible eyes oh, or yeah. something staring down at her. So she ended up getting a, a, her, her husband or someone to, to put a great big bolt there's a huge bolt and padlock, <laughs> padlock on, on, on the thing. On, yeah. yeah, on the loft. Which, that, yeah, and that's not something you would normally do to make a no. point. That's something you do in fear. Yeah, and and this is what I mean. The, the people leave these houses, and there's documented occasions where people actually their house, not just their houses, their furniture and their personal mm. belongings, and refuse to go back. So then, I, I just want to move on to to what happened to you and Stuart when you were, you two were upstairs on your own. Stuart had the camera. Right. I didn't have the camera. Right. Go um, on then. You had a camera downstairs because mm. I think you were doing a séance or something in the front room. Yes. Because something right. happened to you in a, a, a similar. That's right. Similar time. We were in the bedroom. It was the master bedroom, I guess, six to eight foot from each other, a diagonal across the room, but both of us. At the same time, we were asking out, doing what we normally do. And then both of us at the same time shouted. And it was like, I mean, Stuart dropped a camera. Now, you know, these cameras are not cheap. And Stuart is is, is an, accomp an accomplished camera operator. And camera operators do not drop their cameras unless it's something very serious, because that is the tool of your trade. Um, but he dropped the camera at the same time. And we both shouted. And it was like someone had put a whipped this is how I felt my arm with a, a riding crop. Mm. That's how it felt. Um, you didn't hear anything. It just happened. But both at the same time. Now, when we put it was my left arm and his right arm, put the, the arms next to each other. And when you came running upstairs after hearing the shout, you picked the cameras up. And we both watched and just get redder and redder and become these open wounds mm. on our arms. But we caught that on camera. And yeah, I've still got the scar today. It's what? I would say, what, four inches long, five inches long, four mm. inches long? There's a scar, and that's still there today. And we both got it at exactly the same point on our 
arms, although we were, and the camera verifies that, yeah. we were between six and eight foot from each other. And people are saying, you know, wh- what do you think that was? What what caused it? Talk about poltergeist activity. I, I, I've said, you know, poltergeist really, to me, they are just noisy, angry ghosts. Some of them not angry, just noisy and want to have a bit of a prank. But in this case, I think this is... I wouldn't even describe it as poltergeist activity. I'd describe it as a negative, evil, like you said, entity that was able somehow to conflict that, you know, give that to you. I mean, that's awful. Yeah, same as you. I don't believe that that was poltergeist activity. Mm. Like you, I believe poltergeist activity is just a spirit trying to get itself known, Mm. maybe just a bit bit mischievous. or it's not being heard and it's just lost its temper and mm. knocked something off a shelf or whatever. I believe that this was an attack. I truly believe something attacked us. So fast forward a little bit and then we come back to this location to do a live. And yes. I mentioned that the staircase was sort of like the, the pivotal point of, of, of the house. Because in the past, and it was uh, documented in, in the film that you talked about, where the young girl... Uh, again, I think she was a teenager, wasn't she, in this house? And a lot of yes. poltergeist cases do centre, seem to centre around that sort of the teenage young kid going mm-hmm. through a bit of angst, you know, puberty. Uh, puberty. And of course, you know, the, the scientists and, and cynics of the world will say it's actually their energy that they're, they're sort of like a conduit for this energy. They're causing it subconsciously and so on. Now, how did this young girl then, if this is true, allegedly she was pulled backwards up the stairs, wasn't she? Many people remember this, this episode, this live show and this particular part where you, we're halfway down the stairs and then you seemingly, I mean, your legs, your feet lift off the floor and you are pulled backwards. Yes. We had um, a historian on the show. He came over and looked at your throat mm. and you could actually see a red rope burn mark around it. So just explain what happened to you. Well, the, the things we were upstairs and, and, and as a lot of people are involved in television, no, you, you've got cables everywhere. We were upstairs, uh, Stuart, myself, and we had an adjudicator up the stairs again, which people don't realise. I thought I heard somebody coming up the stairs. And Stuart wasn't fe- feeling brilliant, and he said, I'm going to sit in the room. So I came and I crept down the stairs. And it was I, I was trying to be as careful as I possibly could. I put all of my equipment at the top of the stairs. So, yeah, I had cables sort of behind me, and I walked down the stairs. And then I just felt something tightening on my neck. I stopped for a second. And then something pulled me and that's around my neck. It felt like it did feel like a rope around my neck. Wow. It, it felt I couldn't breathe for a second, but it stopped. The whole thing was probably two seconds. Cause as soon as it happened, Stuart saw me sort of flying backwards up the stairs, came running to me and because I was grabbing my neck, he pulled my hand off my neck. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the look on your face. It was absolute panic and oh, fear. Oh, it was panic, yeah. I mean, real fear. And when you watch the video of it, you can see that you are, you're being pulled. And and even if, because people said, oh, it's a rope round your, no, your, your, your waist. And it's like, mm. first of all, we're on live television. You just you're not going to do anything like that. The the rope, or seemingly the rope that you can see behind you, is in fact the camera cable. But yeah. a camera cable cannot lift a man of your size and your height, even if it was, is a thin cable, and it cannot pull you 
upwards like that and take you off your feet. It's just not possible well, to do. Well, remember, that's looped into my belt. It's not tied around my waist. It's that's looped right. into my belt. And the camera the reason cable you do that was, is, yeah. Is, is, is that's, that's your bit to the truck. Mm. If that goes, you lose picture. So if you've got that, you, you tie a loop up there. So if you're walking with a camera in your hand and you start to feel, and the, the cable gets snagged, and you'll start to feel the loop come out of your belt so you know to stop mm. so you don't lose. Because if you don't and you walk and the the, the, the cable tags on something, you're going to move the shot. Mm. You could potentially take the cable out the back of the camera. So that's that's that. And, and yeah, we, we explained how that was but you couldn't pull someone up the stairs so just to sum up would you say that 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 experience for you has been the most frightening experience because it could have it could have killed it could have killed somebody um it could have done definitely uh, but then again at stand and hall i had a knife thrown at my face and that's because you were asking for it to happen yeah but it still happened um i think what's scary more scary about uh these these houses that are haunted, mm. these these sort of standard houses where we all lived, you don't expect them to be haunted. But what is in them, we don't realise how dangerous a lot of the stuff in our own houses is. Mm. We've all got knives. We've all got scissors. We've all got you know, bits and bobs around that can really hurt if they hit you. Because a lot of the other places, if they're derelict, you haven't really got a lot to, to harm you. But in these places, in your home, there's a lot around. And if you can't feel safe in your home, that to me is the scariest thing. Going to sleep at night and not being safe in your own home and feeling that there's something negative there. Now, we've had a lot of stuff happen in our house, but it's always been kind of fun. Nice it's been and nice. Lovely, it's yeah. not nasty. It's not dark. I spoke about the eggs before. Do you remember when Stan used to get eggs? Oh, yes. That's amazing. Yeah, so, you yeah. see, so you go from eggs to knives. Eggs to knives. Eggs to knives. knives. And eggs. Well, brilliant. Thank you so very much. And we'll talk to you again, I'm, I'm sure, very, very soon. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Anytime. Well, thanks so much, Carl. It's always wonderful to hear your side of, of events and things that we've experienced together. This week's story is from Sophie, who's got in touch to share her experiences in her home built in 1890. I wanted to send you this voice note in relation to a request you made last week, I think, um, about whether people could talk about their own houses being haunted. I wanted to ask opinions, really, or see what your thoughts were. The reason I say that is because things do happen in my house, but each time they do, my rational brain tries to explain why those things have happened for sort of natural normal reasons but there are a couple that I can't explain. So I live in Kidderminster near to Drake Low Tunnels that I know you guys have investigated um, several times. My house is it was built in 1890 um, a big old period house Lots of sort of original period features, absolutely nothing sinister or even non-sinister in terms of spirits at all, really. But I'd say for the past two years, certain things have happened that make me wonder and I can't think of reasons why they happen. One of the things that happened was my house has big old fully stained glass porch the front door itself is the original front door with stained glass and the glass itself has the lead 
and then wire along inside the glass which sticks out into the room slightly only slightly but enough that you can feel that there's there's wire there one day I closed the front door um, and could see that there was something hanging from the lead wire that was twisted within the glass when I looked it was a, a pendant I'd never seen the pendant before. It wasn't mine. It wasn't my daughter's. And it was a very strange place for it to be hanging. I asked my husband if he recognised it and he straight away said, that's actually my son's pendant, which you open and it contains a message about his allergy, which nobody had ever... I'd never seen it before. He hadn't seen it for years and years. And then when I approached my stepson about it, he said, well, I don't know why that's here. I haven't had that for a long, long time. So we couldn't explain why it was hanging on the door and indeed how it had come to be in our house at all. We've had things like in our living room, I have a really lovely musical birdcage, which is one of the only things that I've got from my grandparents' house. The music hasn't worked for a long, long time and the bird doesn't spin. My dad has attempted several times to fix it, can't fix it at all. So it just sits there looking pretty. One day whilst watching TV, the music box just went off. A very briefly, very short noise that it made. We can't explain that. Now I've tried to explain that with maybe the heat from the fire may have activated the mechanism, making it turn. However, we've had the fire lit several times over the years obviously during the winter and it's never done that before so I can't say either way what that was. Other little things like coins dropping on the floor. I keep finding um, a one cent coin in my dressing gown pocket. The third time that it happened I accused my husband of trying to scare me by placing the coin in the pocket but he denies all knowledge of that. And then the last thing which is the main thing was I had woken early, the first one up in the house to get um, tea ready, breakfast ready for the children, etc. Downstairs in almost darkness, really, apart from a small kitchen light and decided to go through the utility into the downstairs toilet. There was no one around, so the door was slightly ajar, sort of inch cracking the door. Suddenly, the door just flung open with me unfortunately, sitting on the toilet. Uh, so there was nothing I could really do about the door being open, wide open. I had absolutely no reaction to this, which is bizarre in itself. And that's why I think I immediately tried and rationalise what it is that's going on. Can't say how that how the door opened. It, you know, if it, the, there, was no, there was no wind. It was It's a completely enclosed area. You need to be able to push it with some force for it to open like that. My cats weren't in the vicinity to have to open that with the paw, uh, but they wouldn't have been, had the strength to do that anyway. I'm completely confused and wondering if uh, there is somebody in my house. Just to add quickly to that, I have asked out in my house for anybody who's there um, any spirits there to make themselves known with noises, voices, sounds, tapping, but haven't had any replies as yet. Thank you so much, Sophie, for sending in that voice note. I love hearing your own personal stories. Uh, I really, really look forward to them. And it's absolutely fascinating, Sophie, about this pendant that you found. 
I mean, like you say, why would it be there in the porch? How very peculiar. Um, Also, the musical birdcage going off on its own, even for a split second, like you describe. And I love it when things like that, you know, mechanical objects or old wirelesses that aren't plugged in have been proven, you know, they haven't worked for years and then bizarrely, they just start. It's really creepy, obviously, when they start in the middle of the night. And do you know what I do? If I accident, if I see that I've accidentally left a Hoover on, uh, plugged in or something, I go around and unplug them all because I'm that terrified that I'll be woken up in the middle of the night by the TV going on or the Hoover going on. Oh, frightens me to death. What I absolutely love about this is that you've experienced something very similar to me in the fact that you're getting pennies left for you. And I get that all the time. And recently, just before uh, I recorded this podcast, uh, I found two more pennies, old Torian pennies in my bed. And I always think of them as pennies from heaven uh, and little gifts from the other side, just to say that we're here, we're thinking about you and we love you. And perhaps that's what what's happening with you. I think that somebody's obviously trying to let you know that they're there. I'm also interested to know, is has anybody passed within two years? Um, because that really does make all the difference. If a relative has, has passed on, uh, this could be them trying to let you know that they're around. Um, especially the pennies, the coins make me think of that. And also that... Uh, pendant that you found in the in the window the fact that you're asking for it don't and then this is something for us all to remember when you ask for a, a loved one to come through you know hello there you know is there anybody there or mom are you there uh, can you make a sign can you do something can you do it now can you do it now they won't always respond there and then it might be 24 hours later a day later you know, two weeks later, a month later, a year later. To them, time is different. Our time is so, I'm just trying to think of the word. We're so sort of, you know, everybody uh, is is on this timeline. But when you go over to the other side, time isn't, it's so different to them as it is to us. Um, And so, don't expect things to happen straight away. If they do, fantastic. But if they don't, keep asking, keep trying, keep asking out, keep asking out. And you never know, hopefully something might happen. And if you don't like the phenomena that's happening in your home, you can always say to them respectfully, talk out loud and say, please, please, can you stop? This is frightening me. And I did this with my dad and bizarrely because he <laughs> he liked to bang the plug. We've got a bath um, in in our bedroom. I know it sounds weird. It's one of those, you know, the roll top, roll top claw, ball claw baths, I can't say the words, uh, in, in the actual bedroom. And when I was asleep, I would hear the, the metal plug bang against the taps and the side of the bath. Now, my dad was and still is a practical joker. And I knew it was him having a bit of a laugh, but I didn't appreciate the joke. Um, and I told him so, even though he found it funny. Uh, but I certainly didn't because it was waking me up in the middle of the night and scaring me. So I was like, please, Dad, I love you to bit. You know how much I love you. But will you please stop doing that plug thing because it's making me scared? And he said, yes, I will. I'm sorry. And I've never heard it since. Um, so don't forget, you know, they can hear you. Just because we can't see them doesn't mean that they can't hear us and see us. They definitely can.
Push Your Peak is a brand new podcast brought to you by What Bike. Join me, Louise Minchin, and some of the world's most incredible sports people to learn what it takes mentally and physically to push yourself beyond your limits. Whether you're an elite or everyday athlete, it can be hard to continually progress. How do you push yourself out of your comfort zone? Where do you go to find that inner drive? Tune in to hear these inspiring stories and take away the belief that you can achieve your own goals no matter how big or small. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search Push Your Peak. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. Before we go into our chats with a leading expert, Louise got in touch with a lovely message on email. Hi, Yvette. Just wanted to say thank you. I really enjoyed this Thursday's podcast with the lovely Mark Curry. I know he's lovely, isn't he? It's such a great podcast. So interesting. Well, thank you. I've been with you and the Most Wanted team from day one. The way you do things now is the best format and team you've ever had. Always genuine and open-minded. The things you are discovering are amazing and raise more questions than answers, as Glenn always says. Is often completely mind-blowing and emotional. I lost my gorgeous husband last year to cancer. He died at home as he wished. He fought to the very end, which was very traumatic. To think his energy is still somewhere gives me a little hope, although I'm completely devastated. Your podcast discusses the idea of our loved ones still being with us, and I found comfort in your words and how you are open about talking to your dad. How fascinating and amazing. I haven't enough courage yet to go to a Most Haunted event, but maybe in the future. Thank you for your amazing work, Yvette. Best wishes, Louise Clark. Well, Louise, come along to a Most Haunted event. It would be absolutely lovely to meet you, uh, and I guarantee you'll come away going, wow, that was fantastic. And and just touching on, on what you were talking about there um, with our loved ones passing on, I, I can't tell you this uh, uh, time and time again. I can't express it enough. We must all talk to our loved ones that have passed on. This is so, so important. They love this. They absolutely love this. And you um, you must know 
that they can hear and see us. They love it when you involve them in birthday celebrations, Christmas meals and parties. I know my my dad, my grandma, my granddad, who I call Pops, um, all Carl's loved ones. We, I mean, at times, Christmas and birthdays, I'll set a place for my dad. And at the end of the meal, the table will start shaking. The wine, We have to hold on to the wine glasses and the candles. Loves it. And we all have a sing song. And he raps and taps along on the table in time to it. And they all come through on special occasions. And your loved ones, too, will do the same things. They can see. They can hear you. I get my dad a Christmas card, a birthday card, a Father's Day card. And I said, did you like that card? Yes. Um, I, I, I remember him saying something quite funny and I, it was to my mum. And she said something like, um, oh, Alan, it is lovely. Um, do you watch me? And he tapped out, and I'm not joking, he tapped out nice tits. I mean, can you believe it? But that's my dad's personality. And that's another thing. Something for us all to remember, just because you die and, and you leave this vehicle and you go on to the next vehicle, the next body, though we can't see it, we don't change our personalities. We're exactly the same. So if you were a joker, a practical joker like my dad was, he's still going to love doing practical Just He's even told us jokes from the other side and he raps really quickly which is a which i know now is for laughter that's him laughing so please don't forget uh, especially you louise they are with us they love us they they're around us all the time and the most important thing is they don't want to see us upset and they don't want to see us cry so please louise lots of love to you big big hugs and i hope to meet you very soon on a most haunted experience now, I'm very, very excited because on our Paranormal podcast, we have uh, two very special guests. They're Ben and Lainey. Uh, they're in Buckinghamshire, uh, which is a very posh part of the country. Um, but they've become quite famous on YouTube and TikTok for their, well, haunted house, really. You are living with a very active ghost. And it was through social media that I, my eyes popped out of my head and I thought, we've got to get these two guys on here. This is insane. How can you live there? I think, uh, do you know what? We ask ourselves this as well. <laughs> it's become a situation where we've had to learn to live with our spirit in our home as opposed to running away. So how long have you lived in the house now? So we've been here since the summer of 2018, so creeping up to almost four years now. Like, we didn't really no notice much when we first moved in, and it was about six weeks after we moved in that, like, weird things started to happen, um, on just on occasions. But is it an old house, a new house, an apartment? What is it? So this is the thing that boggles a lot of people's minds, and actually... It's something that took us by surprise. We were actually living in a, a new build house, so you you just you just naturally expect people or like houses or be like old, decrepit, like castles or like hundreds of years old. Mm. Our house is a new build; it's less than ten years old, so we never would have expected this to be our situation. Or could it, you couldn't even predict it really. If it was an old house, you'd be thinking, "Oh, I wonder if it's haunted." But it's not. Yeah. It's a new house, so you never. It doesn't even cross your mind. What was the first thing that happened? So things would happen to us individually to start with. So before I go any further, I just want to say as well that before I moved in, I was the biggest paranormal skeptic, literally on the planet. Right? <laughs> 
But moving in here, it was quite eye-opening. Well, when we first moved in, like I say, about six weeks into it, we had weird things happen to us individually. So for me, I'd hear knocks around the house, like like thuds of like footsteps um, on the ceilings mm-hmm. above me. Um, coming up the stairs, especially, was a, was one that had happened. And then kind of seeing things out of the corner of your eye, but when you look, they're gone. So it's like it sounds really cliche. Um, and then I just explain them away, like you know, that's the house settling, that's those bangs, or the things out of the corner of my eye. You know, I'm, my mind's playing tricks on me. You could almost explain a lot of it away if our house was detached if it was a terraced house you'd think oh it's the neighbors climbing the stairs and you can just hear it through the walls but our house is a detached house so so uh, for example i'd hear think ben or oh, ben's coming from work he's coming up the stairs and i'd call out and be like hi you're right thinking i hadn't heard him come through the front door and there'd be nobody there but for me there was quite a pivotal thing that happened to me on my own even now i can't really explain so i'd our house is a townhouse so we've got our kitchen living room downstairs we've got a couple of bedrooms on the middle floor with the family bathroom and then the top floor is our bedroom so I was uh Ben was at work and I was having a bath and um I knew I was in the house on my own and then as clear as day but as coming from the room above us so our bedroom um, I heard like a male voice call my name so I instantly, it's a vulnerable situation when you're in the bath, you know, you're in the house on your own, you're naked in the bath and you, there's someone calling your name and you oh don't recognise the voice. So I kind of like sat up, called back and was like, yeah, sort of like, hello, and no response. Thought I'm going to have to get out of the bath and have a look. Looked all around the house, nobody was there. And I, 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 I don't, even now, I don't know what that could have been but I know that it was like a quite a gruff male voice and I know it came from above the the room that I was in so it was very strange that sounds I mean (laughs) I've had that in our house but our house is you know it was built in the 1600s so you'd expect that you know like you were saying Ben you you would wouldn't you but to be in a in a detached house that's 10 years old you're on your own in the bath and and you it's not your husband's voice or a family member, it's a voice that you do not recognise. And this is the bit that gets me. And and Ben, I'm so pleased you said that you were a sceptic at the beginning because how on earth science, you know, how do you explain that? So for me, I know, and you can explain it to people and they will try and just tell you that, you, that you're crazy or that you don't know what you're talking about or whatever, but I know what I experienced. And it, it's funny because... Even at that point, I didn't want to talk to Ben about it because I just felt like it was just such an out there, ridiculous thing to experience. And I did question my own, I I questioned the whole experience. I questioned my own kind of sanity. Like, what was that? I know I heard it, but I was trying to debunk it myself and and I couldn't. But it really got to the point where it was kind of building up. And it got to a point where one day we both witnessed something at exactly the same, well, we were in the same room, we both watched it happen. And it really opened up the topic of conversation for us at that point. We were like, okay, well, maybe, like, now we've both seen this, maybe there is something more going on. We'd finished work, we'd had our, our dinner, and we were we just sat on the sofa watching TV. Our TV is mounted to a wall, and there's like a, a TV unit underneath that. We just have some like ornaments and some nice like decorations on. And one of the things is a plant, in, like in a decorative pot. It, it was so strange because it was so casual. But we're watching TV and the pot just slid 
all the way across the TV unit in front of us. And so we both naturally just kind of like sit up, gobsmacked, look at each other. Did you see that? Yeah. Did you see? Yeah. Okay. Well, how do we explain this? And it's funny that that's just happened because this has happened. These things have been going. So we'd, we'd had things go missing. Earrings would just go missing or Ben's wallet was always disappearing. I was always giving him grief. And we'd find it in a room, a spare, like, for example, we've got a spare room. We'd find it in that room. We know we haven't been in there. How did it get there? That just one pivotal moment opened up the conversation yeah. for us to be like, okay, this is strange. Yeah. We, we don't really believe in it, but what else could it be? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was the hardest part because, I mean, for me, as someone who was sceptical, it was you, you, you get a bit, a bit of an internal battle where it's like your head is like so conflicted. <laughs> and then it wasn't until more things happened that I was like, right, OK, I, I've been wrong all this time. Like this, there, there's a lot more going on here than what I'm allowing it's to allow myself to believe. But at the same time, we had this agreement between us that we weren't going to talk about it to other people. So family didn't, we didn't speak to family about it. We didn't. And so for two years, we kept it to ourselves. And I think part of the reason for that was because we both work in schools, we both teach. And it would just, it just, we were concerned about professional credibility. If we talk to people at work about it, or it just seemed really out there to us at the time. Um, and again, all we had to compare our situation to was Hollywood movies. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's when the fear kind of crept in because, you know, the Conjuring movies always end one way and it's in a basement and you know it's not going to go well. So, I mean, we're laughing about it. Most people would move out. Why haven't you moved out? Or are you, are you like, no, this is our home and we love it here and we're not going to move? I think there was an element of that. There's like, I mean, we. it was hard to get this house, but when we finally got it, it was like, it, it, it sounds so cliche, but you walk in and you, you, yeah, we, had, we knew that we loved this place after viewing so many places. And then um, like, so that, I think that had a part to play in it, but also we just moved in and obviously moving is a very expensive thing to do. So we weren't in any position to like up and leave anytime soon. It was almost like, well, we'll just keep this to ourselves and we'll just crack on and it'll be all right. But it started to get scary and it started to get a little bit, not a little bit, very unpredictable. And so it came to a point where by about two years in or just before a couple of years in, it was like, right, we need to work out what is going on here because I can't take another sleepless night. I'm, I'm, my anxiety is through the roof wondering what's going to happen next or if anything or nothing's going to happen. By that point, you, you kind of acknowledge and accept that there is a spirit or something, an entity or however you want to word it in your home. I'm quite an empathetic person and I'm thinking, what if there's a lost soul or something that somebody that needs some help? It, it was at that point that we, well, that I decided, okay, I'm just going to put something out, out there online. I'm sure in the whole world, in the whole of the universe, of the, of the World Wide Web especially, there'll be somebody who can give us a bit of help, a bit of advice, or just guide us into how we can deal with this. Because one, we don't want to move out, but two, we're at a stage where we're kind of at breaking point. We even turn to things like TV shows for like, references or like for like advice so like we want like most haunted <laughs> the was hours we the watched ad- like literally right so it's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so surreal what like talking to you about it because you were one of the people that helped us to understand our situation without you even knowing yeah it's what we oh, right. today yeah. this is quite a moment for us <laughs> 
Oh, bless your hearts. I, I, I mean, the thing is, as you know, you know, um, Most Haunted is a, is a TV show and you do get a lot of people saying, oh, well, it's a TV show, so it's going to be faked. So that's why we started doing Most Haunted Experience so that people could come along. They come with me and Carl and the rest of the team and they uh, they go on a ghost hunt and they experience what we experience on the show. So this knocking and banging phenomena that you reported in your house, people are actually getting, are feeling that and, and, and experiencing it. And then they go, oh, my God, it's real. It actually really does happen. And that's one of the the big things, probably why you didn't really like to tell anybody what was going on is because people look at me and what we do, a lot of them, and go, well, it's all a load of old crap and you make it up and it's fate. And so, of course, when you go on social media and you post your posts, which are absolutely fascinating, you're going to get people out there that criticise you and say, oh, it's fate, it's this, that and the other. It used to hurt me a lot. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it doesn't bother me anymore because I go, I know the truth. Yeah, so we we really put off sharing things on the internet because it's a brutal world the yeah. internet like even if you post the nicest of posts you're going to get ridiculed by somebody yeah unfortunately and so that did put us off for a long time and at the beginning like we were posting this we were and then people would be like that's a load of rubbish you get yeah, this is and, we, they, we, and they'd come up with some incredible yeah. theories for oh, how we the, managed the theories to are do incredible. these things. Oh, don't tell me. Fishing wire. That's a good one. <laughs> it was the wind. <laughs> it was the wind. It's fishing wire. Oh, it's somebody hiding behind a door. It's, uh, you know, I mean, we've had it all. We physically harm ourselves. Physically <laughs> harm ourselves. Nearly yeah. kill ourselves. Have knives thrown, narrowly missing our faces in the dark <laughs> just to make a TV show. Yeah, it, 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 it's yeah. like, come on. Like, it is absurd. But it, I think... Going back to the reason, like kind of like the story behind us finally, I would say, like breaking and being like, let's just get this out, out or let me just post something and see mm. if somebody can help us. We'd have, we have like a little storage cupboard by our bed. We don't, we are in the attic effectively. And so we ha- just have storage in the eaves, if you like, or like in those sorts of areas of the house. Ben's a really deep sleeper. So he was, it was great for him because he was quite oblivious, but I'm, I'm the complete opposite. And I'd had about five nights of this cupboard door just slamming and opening and things coming oh in and out God. of it. And it's right it was right by my, my head and I was getting really frustrated and I was wedging the cupboard door shut with things and then it was, you know, chunks of cardboard and whatever I could. To, and they would get moved and the cupboard door would be opening. And anyway, by about night five, I was just exhausted. And so I'd come out of the shower it was like a Saturday morning, I think, and I'd, I'd come out of the shower and I'd been startled and it literally jump scared because of the noise of the cupboard again slamming open. And I was like, I've had enough of this. So I picked up my phone and just it, it just so happened that I had the TikTok app open. So out of just, you know, urgency, I just started to record and it was through the TikTok app and I posted it straight away and was just like, look at this. And it was the first time I'd even interacted with whatever, you know, verbally said, like, can you do it again? Or Mm. can you, you know, like, show me what you can do? Anyway, that was kind of like the start of us sharing. One thing that we promised ourselves and that we always remind ourselves is that the negativity is just background noise. We share a lot now because there's a community of people that we feel like understand us, which is wonderful. But also, we're not sharing it to to persuade anybody whether to believe or not they're going to if they want to believe they will and if they don't they don't and that's not none of my business you know 
we share it because this is a journey that we found ourselves on, which is so peculiar and strange. We found like our tribe in yeah. it. After hiding away for a couple of years, it's almost like we've come out with this and there's people who are supporting us and it's yeah. wonderful. And like similarly to you with the um, most haunted like experience where you have people physically with you, we do like live streams where, you know, people can say like you've got cuts in your videos or whatever, but when it's on a live stream and there's actually things happening on the camera whilst we're both in shot and you can see that there's nothing else around like and we're there, you know where it's almost like is, we're, yeah. we're there in seconds to show yeah that we're just trying to like you know like show them help, help them to see what we yeah. what, what we live with yeah exactly <laughs> in real time do you know what was built on the land before what was on there before the houses were built within walking distance there's like a, an ancient ruins of a castle and it kind of like dates well it doesn't kind of it does date back to like anglo-saxon times but Upon further research, we learned that actually the land that it was built on was actually like an old military outpost that like dates back to when, um, you know, like the Civil War, like Anglo-Saxon times and the Viking invasions and things like that. And interestingly enough, when they were preparing the land to build the, the housing, they discovered some skeletal remains of 42 bodies or, you know, like pe- people who'd been executed um they could tell that it was execution style it wasn't done there was no like ceremonial burial or anything like that they could they were able to determine that because the hands and their feet were tied and bound behind their backs and the way that the skeletons had been kind of just left um it was thought that they were probably prisoners of war that had been brought back here um and then kind of for want of a better way of putting it dispatched it did get kind of hushed up and we struggle to find more information than that. Um, and it looks like it has been quietened down by the developers of the of the of the, the building work. Why do they build? I know why, it's all to do with money. So so what's the worst thing that's happened to you since you've been living there that you can just go, Oh my god, I'm I'm at breaking point now, you know, I just I don't know if we can live here anymore. So there's been a couple of instances like that. Um When we first started sharing things, we relied heavily on capturing things on our phones. So we would literally, for about a year and a half, religiously carry our phones like on the camera just in case anything (laughs) happened. Like 90% of the things that would happen, we'd miss. But we had some like CCTV home security cameras put like set up in the, I'm quoting, hotspots, which is the like the kitchen and the living room. When we're at work, we tend to get like notifications on like it was just say like your motion camera has caught activity or whatever it was on a lunch break and me and Lainey were just sat in the, in the staff room looking at this notification of the kitchen drawer opening and like some cutlery came out and um, it was a pair of scissors like came really quickly across the literally across the camera and up, like into the wall yeah it was really the, the, it was shocking to see because of how powerful it was yeah you know from like a personal like experience we've both had different things so for me I remember I was having um a nap on this <laughs> I sound really lazy don't know I'm having a bath I was having a nap yeah I'd uh, been woken up from this nap I'd been startled awake it was almost like I could feel the, the breath of like this hiss right in my ear um, and I was I was startled awake. So I picked up my phone and was just chatting to, to my phone, thinking, I'm just going to talk about what I've just experienced. We did share this footage, actually, but 
Um, I'm just saying, I don't know what's just gone on, but I've just been woken up to this hissing sound. As I'm talking to the camera, and it's a front-facing camera, um, my hair just starts being moved completely. Uh, do you know, at, at random, so it happened once, and I didn't realise, I didn't, if you watch the video, you'll see, I, I didn't notice it. Then the second time it happens, um, and it moves a little bit further, and that, that to me felt a little bit too close for comfort. With you, obviously, that there's going to be another member to your family very soon. Um, so are you worried at all about that, you know, bringing a little baby into the house? Yes, yeah, so it is something that we've had to really kind of take into consideration and work through how we're going to, to manage this because obviously you want to protect your own baby. You want to protect your baby, don't you? And it's it's not something that you, you would, you'd never want to put your own baby in danger. So we've looked, we've been working with people to try and make sure that we're protected, to try and... Um, just set boundaries which I know sounds a bit crazy but no no I know exactly what you mean you have to do that absolutely yeah yeah. it's something that we weren't aware was a thing until we started to to speak with people um but we are we are looking to move um we, we are actually looking to move into a new house in the next few months we've got a house that's that we're looking at that's currently being built um, but I'm not sure. I mean, it doesn't mean anything really because this spirit could come with us, and that's the yeah. So-, so that's something that we like. So when we were started like sharing things and calling out for advice and help from people that like you know knew more than what we do, a lot of people came forward. You know, you always have the people that are like it's a demon straight away. You know, you, you you're gonna you're gonna die. Like you know, There's sleep with of- one eye open kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but there were a few people that were like quite level-headed about it and were like, and one person in particular was um, actually a psychic. Um, and we didn't know this at the time. She was just sending us messages saying like, you know, look, this is what, this is what I get from your video. This is the vibe I get. And it was like, well, you seem to be quite clued up on what you're talking about. And we got like, there's no back and forth messaging. And um, it, it was then that we found out that she was actually a psychic. And she came to the, the, she came to the house and kind of helped us out with understanding who the spirit in the house was or why they were there as well yeah because it it, and like so we've learned that this spirit is called dave or david um and he passed away uh in the in the 80s well this is what's believed um in his 20s from a car accident on a road which isn't too far from where we currently live that actually was quite a surreal situation wasn't it yeah it kind of was a bit of a revelation because then once we kind of could understand what was going on and and what and and it turned out that Ord thought that he just wants wanted to be acknowledged and he'd kind of been attracted to us because we were quite similar in personality and to kind of put a name and to to what we, uh, what we believe is is the spirit that kind of resides in our home or not I wouldn't say humanized him but definitely helped us to want to stay here (laughs) and know that it wasn't a demon that was out to kill us it was actually a person in life and then the thing that the psychic explained to us which we never really thought of before was you know if they were a good person in life why would they then become bad when they're dark when they pass away that's right as in as yeah as in life you know as in death so you know if you if you're a nice person you're going to be a nice person if you're if you're an evil person you're still going to be an evil bugger aren't you over on the other side yeah with you saying that you've seen another house and that you're going to move out and all the rest of it, now here, here's the big question now. <laughs> I won't tell anybody, 
whoever comes in and looks around your house, are you going to tell them the truth? I, I, I feel like it would be wrong if we didn't. I would have appreciated someone telling me. So, you know, <laughs> I, if I can reciprocate that, then that's that's what I'm going to do. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly the same as us. If we ever sell our house, we're going to have to say, because we when we moved in, um, obviously the people, I actually asked them, because I thought I don't, you know, don't want a busman's holiday. I want to come home and and not have, you know, it's an old house. I don't want any. And I said, is it haunted? She said, absolutely not. No, we've lived here for five years, never had any problems. Literally within the first week, it all kicked <laughs> off. So I wasn't happy. So, yeah, we, the <laughs> um, blessing for us is we, we we actually rent this house, so we can walk away, just wipe our hands, and be like. <laughs> That's now your problem. Oh, so you rent it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So does the landlord know of what's gone on there? Well, our landlord and landlady are, are um, like baron, baronesses and baronet, barons and baron, they're like, you know, hoity hoity. And we have nothing to do with them. We just go through our letting agent. They said nothing. Right. But uh, that doesn't mean that they weren't oblivious too. Yeah. Um, but they are they are aware of it now. So it really it would be down, well, it yeah. would be down to them to have to let future tenants know i saw something on um i think it was this morning actually this morning <laughs> and um apparently you have to like let the new tenants know if there's been like a murder or a suicide on the property and they were actually asking the question if you have to let them know if you had a haunted experience and i'm all like well i, think, I would i think in america they do, but i'm not sure about in the uk yeah i'm sure i'm sure i'll have to look into this but i remember talking to somebody and them saying I think legally, I'm not now. Don't quote me on this. I might be wrong, but I think legally you do have to. This is what I say something. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. So, um, yeah, but I, I think I just I, I would feel the right people. It wouldn't matter to them, you know. So it, it, if if it's hopefully the universe will pull it all together and just have whoever the next people who live here will be the right people, and that it'll all be fine. <laughs> You know, it sounds to me like if whoever's there, whether it be David, it could be somebody from the military outpost. It sounds to me like they they, they need to be moved on. They need to they need to go. Um, and so, it, it's is it worth for you guys just considering getting somebody in to actually do that to help you move them on? Yeah, and actually, that was like one of my main concerns. Um, it, you know, when we started to speak with psychics and and people that you know, claim to know how to help us. Every time we try and connect with our spirit, we we it's really important for us to offer the opportunity to help to move on. And because I just can't imagine if you are stuck here and you've got loved ones or you just, you know, it must be, it must be horrible for if that, if you had no choice. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's funny because we did a, Carl and I went to do a, a clearing in, um, funnily enough, she used to do my hair and she said, Oh, I've got this friend and she's having a terrible time in this house, her and her daughter. So we went along and, um, as soon as we walked through the door, the walls and the floor started pounding. It was, it was, it was incredible. And what it was, was this, uh, elderly gentleman had followed them from another house, from their old house, where he had lived with his wife. The wife had passed on. He'd subsequently passed on, but he had um, was waiting 
for um, he wanted to be around his granddaughter. The girl, the daughter now, looked incredibly like his granddaughter. So he got very confused and wanted to stay with the granddaughter. Hence, he then followed her to this house. Anyway, after a lot of toing and froing, i.e., on the same night, i.e., sort of, we were arguing with him at one point. It was quite funny because I would say, you know, um, do you understand that? And he'd bang really loudly once, you know, in the middle of the floor, meaning no. And then I'd try and explain to him again, you know, this is the da 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 all the rest of it. And eventually, I think we were there for about an hour and a half, and eventually he went. And and it was lovely. And you could feel the atmosphere in the house change, you know. And so I'm not saying us, I'm just me and Carl, but there are people out there that can actually help you and do that that sort of thing you know so we've asked we've given the opportunity as many like whenever we can I mean it's it's absolutely beyond our ability so we would never try and do it ourselves but when people have been in touch with have asked and he's Dave's basically claimed that he's quite happy to be here because he likes us, which I find sounds yes, so surreal. Yes, but you're surreal. not happy. You're not happy with your cupboard drawers opening and you're hearing gruff. I mean, Lainey. I mean, please, come on. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think um, it's definitely something that we still will, like, pursue for, for his sake. and mm, Exactly. Um, you know, and for ours, of course, as well, yeah. Well, I, you know, I offering up my services more than happy to come over and help if you should so wish. But I do insist on a slice of cake and a cup of coffee. Do you know what? That suits me just fine, especially these. Do you know what? I bet you've got some tales to tell. So whenever you're, whenever you fancy, if you're ever in the area, I'll I'll get the kettle on. Come and visit Dave. We'll sort it, but I need more than coffee and cake to tell you my tales. It'll be a bottle of gin, love, let me tell you. We'll wait. Well, Lainey, we'll wait for you to give birth so you can have a little tipple with me. Perfect. I'm overdue a nice drink, so that would be great. Oh, that would be lovely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you both. It really, really has. Will you keep in touch with us and let us know how everything oh, goes? And absolutely. you know, do you know what you're having? A girl or a boy? We're having a little boy. We're having a boy. We've got one week to well, less than a week now until the due date. So any any time now. So if you can send some kind of like labour vibes my way, I could do with it right now. <laughs> Sending now, sending now, sending now. Let me tell you, I'm crossing my toes and I'm squeaking when I walk as I'm <laughs> sending these to you. Thank you so much to both of you. Keep in touch, like I say, and uh, let us know if you if you do need any help. We'll be there like a shot, no thank problem. Thank you, and thank you so much for your time. It really has been a pleasure and an honour to speak to you and to be part of your podcast. So thank oh, you. Oh, bless you. Don't be daft. It is only me. And we'll speak again, I'm sure. And good luck pushing. Oh gosh, I need it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye now. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. We'll be back again next week. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. We want to hear from you. So send in a question or an audio clip telling us your paranormal story to this address. It's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. We also have WhatsApp and you can send in your voice notes to this phone number 075-999-27537. That's 075-999-27537. We also have an Instagram page. Follow us at Paranormal Activity Pod. That's at 
Paranormal Activity Pod. And remember, things aren't always as they seem. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.